great question. I, lo- I love your questions, Devin. Well, I think the biggest myth in my industry is that everyone speaks English. And companies make many uh, investments, but they never get their message translated or adapted for their target audience, believing that everybody speaks English. And that is the biggest barrier that they create for themselves, unfortunately. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast. I'm already slightly nervous. I'm going to mess up his day, but we're going to try anyway. <laughs> Levent y- or Yildiz Gorin. And that's as good as I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's put on, Devin. No, it's, it's good right. to be here. So uh, Levent, just as a few things we're going to talk about is how to avoid um, cultural misunderstandings or, or having good cultural understandings with yeah. clients and yeah. um, customers and providers. Also talking a little bit about how to grow your business and not just a fin- or not just a focus on uh, profits and loss, but how you grow your business yeah. more or generally. Yeah. Um, also opening up uh, new channels of distribution, and expanding your business into different countries, and uh, developing an entrepreneurial mindset within your business. So it should be a great conversation. And with yeah, that much, as, and with that much as introduction, welcome on the podcast, Levent. Uh, thank you, thank you, David. It's always a pleasure to to be speaking with you. Absolutely. Excited to have you on. So with that much as introduction, so before we dive in, as a reminder to the audience, Levent was on the uh, sister podcast, The Inventive uh, Journey. Um, So if you want to go out and check out his journey on that one, definitely make sure to check out that podcast. But for the audience that hasn't had a chance to catch up with that episode, and this is looking for a quick introduction, uh, maybe give the audience a a quick one or two minute introduction to yourself. I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, Devin, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Well, as you said, my name is Levent Yildiz Gölen. I'm the co-founder of TTCB Translate. We work with uh, businesses who would like to grow internationally by making their messages understood by their target audience. How do we do that? We do that by culturally translating their messages into the languages that they are trying to attract customers from, making it culturally adaptable so that their target customers understand what they're saying. One example is if they are trying to sell candy in the UK, we say, look, nobody will understand candy. It's got to be confectionery, for instance. Or if it is the other way around, if a a food manufacturer want to sell something confectionery in the States, we'll say, look, you know, you have to call this candy. So even within the English language, there is so many nuances that can easily confuse the mm. target audience, which we don't want because, you know, uh, you know, you you you're a serial entrepreneur, Devin. You know how hard it is to set up a business, get it going, establish a product, and then all of that can be sort of spoiled because. Your the business is making an unintentional mistake with their target audience because at the end of the day, customers buy stuff on emotions. 
mm. and no, having think... a sort of a, a wrong message can can easily disengage their interest from from the product or the company. No, I think that that's uh, definitely a great introduction. And uh, I think there's a lot there. Great in, in, introduction, not only to yourself, but also to a bit of what we're going to be talking about. So with yeah. that, and I think it's a great segue. So one of the things we talked just a little bit about the, before the podcast and also what you just hit on was, it, especially if you're going to, and it can be within the same country. I mean, take the United States as an example. You've got a lot of different cultures, everything from Texas to New York to California to the, you know, yeah. the Midwest yeah. Yeah. to the, you know, all or the South and everything else. And you know, have your own culture. And now even more so when you go outside of the, the country that you're used to there, even if you speak the same language, you have cultural differences. And if you don't speak the same language, you even have more cultural differences. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, one of the things we talked a little bit about was how you go about avoiding cultural misunderstandings when you're working with whether it's customers or clients or providers and those type of things. So, yeah. you know, as people are looking to expand their area to different cultures or to different locations, how do you go about avoid or understanding the culture? So you, you avoid those misunderstandings? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. And I'd love to be asked those this type of questions because I'm talking to a, a, a potential client the other day and I asked them, you know, why, why do you want to grow internationally? You know, what is the main motivation? And he said, well, we have an established product. We are producing it. We can produce, we can double the production without causing any grief to us financially or production wise. We have a loyal customer base in the UK. So we have no reason not to sell it in other countries. In fact, he said, it's a shame that we haven't done this five years ago. I said, great. That's a great answer. That's the, that's the answer I was looking for. Because expanding internationally because company is desperate to grow the business could be a kind of little uh, dangerous, dangerous way to, to look at this. So he was looking at this all with the old right reasons. Now, what is important there is to, to smooth the way, and this is where we come in. We, we want to make sure that their message is understood clearly by the target audience, because it is so easy to make unintentional mistakes. Even, you know, if you imagine you're going to another country, you you know, as a tourist, and um, you kind of, in your, in your home country, you kind of use this a certain way to be greeted. But other cultures may have different greetings. Like Americans, mm. you know, if you send me an email, you say, hey, Levant, R right? And, mm. um, but if I receive an email from my Korean uh, customer or Korean external partner, they'll never say, they'll never start an email, hey, Levant, they'll say, Dear Levant, how are you? How is your family? How is life? So this is a cultural nuances that I need to be aware of. So if I'm writing an email to my South Korean partner or client, I won't start, hey, John, you know, I'll start with the same style that they're kind of expecting. And, um, and then I receive an email from you, Devin says, hey, Levant, well, that's perfectly normal. Now, how do, how do, how would you know all these nuances? Because there's so many cultures, so many languages. 
it is quite difficult to be aware of all this. But my, my biggest tip, and there's something that I learned over the years, is that being able to have a, have a kind of, having an open mind is so important. When you have an open mind, it reflects on your body language, tone of voice. So even if you make a mistake, it comes across not offending because the other party will realize that actually that's an unintentional mistake. How can they, how can they interpret it that way? They can interpret it from the body language, tone of voice. And also there are a lot of signs, especially if the person is lucky enough to be in the same room with them. By hmm. reading the, the, the room, the body language, how is everyone else speaking? How is everyone else behaving? Then it is possible to get the feel of the uh, culture and kind of mirror that, uh, that behavior. Often works and makes life so much easier. Hmm. No, I think that that definitely makes sense. And so now one maybe kind of follow up question to that is, you know, there's a lot of different cultures that are out there and each culture kind of has and some things it's more to do. Pro I would assume you can correct me wrong, but, you know, some is body language, some is, you know, how they talk, some is, you know, cultural things you don't do x y or z for behavioral things and yeah, so yeah. you know each culture has different things that are more important or more nuanced than others so some things you know you'll say one thing that's greatly offensive in another culture it's not what you say but it's how you act or whether or not yeah. you bow or take off your shoes or i'm making them up um, but you know as you're going through and doing that i um, you know how do you go about um identifying what are the cultural things you should and how, also, how do you go about what, if you make a mistake, how do you go about making it up? In other words, right. there are things that you should be aware of and you try and be as, as culturally sensitive as you can. My guess is you'll never fully be as culturally sensitive as you can. You know, you'll never, you work with a culture long enough, you're going to make mistakes anyway. So how do you yeah. go about fixing or addressing those when you've now made those mistakes? Right, right. I mean, the easiest thing, Devin, is try to avoid them in the first place. Now, that's understandable that it may not be always uh, possible. But my suggestion would be when a business executive travels to another country, or it could be online, um, that face-to-face -face is always easier because people can read the body language, they can make an eye contact. So, so the sincerity comes a lot more visible when it is face-to-face. -face. But it's a fact of life that the meetings nowadays are online as well. So my, my advice is really, when a business executive invests time and money on developing a relationship, then they really need to pay attention mm. to at least the main cultural, uh, what's the red lines. So, so not to cross those lines is, is so important. And, um, and why? Because they have already invested time. They've already invested resources. Because, you know, going back to the potential client I was speaking with the other day, now the moment they think that they want to go international, 
there's a series of actions that they will take. It could be three months, it could be six months, some companies it could be 12 months. And during that time, they'll talk to about it with their leadership teams, they'll talk to consultants such as myself, they'll consult other people, distributors. So when you think about the time they invest in developing the idea is hours and hours. So one of these items should be check cultural, culturally important points. So mm. is it religion? Is it football? Is it humor? Because, um, you know, humor, I mean, you know, it's Angli Anglican conversations. Humor is a great place, but it's not in every culture. So assuming that what works in one country will work everywhere is probably the, the, the biggest, biggest mistake. So investing a little bit of time because they've already invested time with consultants, time with uh, their leadership, time with distributors. So a little bit of time to find out those cultural important points so that mm. you know, if it is religion, then avoid, avoid the subject. It could be football. Football is, some countries are so passionate about football. <laughs> I, I, I should know, as you may know, I'm originally from Turkey. And um, I've seen good friends fall apart because of football. <laughs> you know, so, so being aware of this, you know, what is the country passionate about? Because it's also important for marketing purposes, mm. understanding what the target audience is passionate about, what is it that they like, what's it that they don't like is, is also very important. So having spent those times and you still make a mistake, I think the sincerity will come across. You know, no, the, I... the body language, the eye contact and, and being, you know, showing humility is, is so important as well because people understand. I mean, I'll, I'll give you one example. My 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 uh, my son-in-law, he he's learning Turkish, and and when he speaks, he makes mistakes. Guess what? People love it. <laughs> people people even people love people love him even more because of his mistakes because it shows that he's he's making himself vulnerable by not being afraid of making those mistakes. So. You know, there's actually with the right mindset, there's a lot of tolerance that you will be offered by the by the by the other parties in the right um, environment, right body language, right eye contact. No, and I think that that I think that the one you hit on is probably the most. And I I, I lived uh, in uh, Taiwan, uh, which is uh, Chinese culture for a couple of years, and you know picked up the language and was doing that. And I think one of the things that they found is, hey, if you're making an effort and trying to understand their cultural, trying to be sensitive, trying to, you know, convey it, even if you're messing it up or you're not yeah, doing it perfectly, yeah, yeah. there's a lot more 
understanding and willingness to overlook things that otherwise might be insensitive because hey yeah. they know you're trying and they get yeah. there's that you know that attempt to uh, be cultural sensitive versus i think that you know the opposite attitude is is if you think you know everything or you're not being you know very kind or, or culture you're, you're not trying to be sensitive and it comes across as as, as being arrogant then it or has that opposite effect of now they're yeah. saying hey they don't even care attempt to care about our culture so i, I think yeah. that that is yeah. a yeah. a great takeaway well maybe yeah. shifting gears just a little bit to a couple of the other areas that we talked on and i think that uh, one of the other ones that i thought that we talked a bit before the podcast which is another uh, great area for people to, to consider consider was um that when you're growing your business you shouldn't just focus on profits and loss now not to say you don't shouldn't at all not focus on profits yeah. and loss because if you're business doesn't make profit or doesn't make money, you're not going to be in business for very long because eventually, you know, maybe you're the Amazon or the Netflix that loses millions of dollars, but for the 99% of businesses, you have to make money to stay in business. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. as you're doing that, you know, kind of what is your thoughts as to as you're growing your business, not just focusing on the profit loss, what other things should people be or focusing yeah, on or yeah. considering? Well, great question Devin I'm I'm still working on it for myself so I can share my my thoughts on this but I'm it is still working work, work in progress for me and yes as like you said profit and loss controlling the cost is very important because you know how hard it is to earn cash so so we need to make sure that we we spend it wisely but like you said if if we spend more of our time trying to control the cost, then chances are we may be missing opportunities. So, and and most business executives want to control the cost. And I know from myself, if I focus too much on the PNL, I then realize that I'm actually deviating from the opportunities. Opportunities becomes like a risk. So, so focusing on PNL too much. Can create a risk awareness, risk, risk, not risk aversion, yeah, um, risk aversion, and which is okay. You know, we need to averse risk. Of course, it's important, but you know, without taking a risk, I mean, you know, when you start a business, do you not take a risk? You, you, you have to take a risk. Nobody. One thing about the entrepreneurial real life is that nobody gives you any guarantees other than <laughs> your your gut feeling. You know, so okay. We have to take risks. We we kind of accept that. So why is focus too much on PNL? Whereas there are opportunities that by some investing time, money, we can create a lot more revenue and growth for for our businesses. And international uh, uh, expansion is one of the great ways to do that because businesses establish provided that business has an established product, established customer base, and of course, financially stable, then taking it to another country is just adding a, a, a distribution channel that will help them to grow so much more. And, and it is um, um, proven by, by many international surveys that companies involved in international trade are more innovative and actually, if I'm not mistaken, four times more likely to survive because mm. they have they 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 get they have access to extra uh, customers, but not just customers, also providers. And 
And as you're involved in other countries, you learn stuff. How many times that I have traveled internationally and came back with so many knowledge. And, and businesses benefit from this as well. So it brings extra revenues, it brings innovation, and it increases the chance of survival of the business should things go little difficult in the domestic market. No, and I think I, I like how you hit on because I mean I think there is a balance, and I think it's a hard balance to find because yeah, yeah. at the one sense, you know, if you don't, if if all you do is focus on trying to expand the business to the point that you rob all of your your profits and you never have any any money that you're, you're socking away or that you're saving or that you're or have a rainy day fund, so to speak, that's also dangerous for the business because if yes. it's the first time you hit a hiccup or any of your ventures or things that you're trying out don't work out, your business goes under. And so you can't do that. And yet by the same yeah. token, if yeah. you're so risk averse now that you never take any or chances and ever, or as soon as you make money, all you do is put it in savings. You're not going to yeah. grow. You're yeah. not going to expand. You're not going to take care or opportunity or opportunities that come your way and your competitors will. So I think there's always that balance and you have yeah, to find yeah. where you can't be so risk averse that you don't, don't do anything and you can't be so reckless that you try everything and finding that balance but i think you do have to say it's not all about profit and loss that's only a portion of it and you also need to or take opportunity or take advantage of opportunities as they come along yeah, yeah. now one uh, of or maybe just along those lines is uh you know one of the one of the questions that comes up and, and what you've hit on is you know, you can look for opportunities in different countries or to expand your business into other areas, whether it's different countries or different locales or geographic locations that will or provide opportunities. And as you mentioned, you know, it will yeah. help to make your business, you know, increase the likelihood of it surviving. But not all countries are good ones to expand in. In other words, you know, you may go to and say, hey, well, if I go to South Africa, I'm going to be great. Well, you got to understand why it's for South Africa versus Brazil versus Canada versus Mexico yeah, versus yeah, China yeah. versus Russia versus, you know, go down the list of all the countries that are out there. And some of the countries may be great opportunities and some may not. And so how do you go about as you're looking to expand your business into different countries? How do you identify which ones are the good countries yeah. or the ones that were worthwhile to pursue? Great, great question, Devin, because um once the business executive decides to go international. And then the thing is, they get all excited. And it's, uh, it's totally understandable. And, and, and the first thing that comes to mind is, let's take action. While we are motivated, let's take action. And, and the worst thing that can happen there is to take action a bit far too quickly without making the necessary, necessary steps. Now, I've written my book mainly for that reason, because I noticed that successful global brands are following a methodology and, and they don't they don't do they don't do any shortcuts in that respect. And and the companies I noticed that not um, uh, making big success of international uh, expansion is the ones that kind of not cutting corners intentionally, but missing certain certain steps. So I thought, okay, what is, the, what is their secret? So I come up with this lingo model. Basically, it is a, it's a five step, five simple steps for any business to follow. And starting with, with market research, I call this learn the market. Researching is everything because I mean, to, to answer your question, 
the, the most logical way is the countries within close proximity is always the best, best solution provided that there's a demand for that product. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, USA does more business with Canada and Mexico than any other country. England, UK, United Kingdom does 50% of their exports to European Union. Why? Because it's so easy. You can load, load a lorry and then it'll be, you know, in a few hours, it'll be across the, across the channel in, in France, Holland, Netherlands, Belgium. You know, the close proximity makes everything easier. But is that the only uh, thing that we need to be looking for? So the, so the first step is market research. And it can be done actually on, you know, on the desktop by simply uh, checking out free tools such as Google Trends, keyword research, understanding what sort of demand is there for that product. And keyword research is a good thing because by, by doing the, um, by doing the res research, you, anyone can see the volume for that uh, volume of um, keyword research for their product or service. So that gives an indication. Another one is that we often um, don't realize, but by using Google Analytics on our website, we can actually see which countries we are getting visitors from and to which pages. Say mm. you have a product and it's your flagship product and you can notice that you're, you're getting visitors from country A, B, C. But from the other countries, you get like maybe 2% of your traffic, but more traffic coming from the first three countries. Well, that's, that's a kind of a natural, uh, uh, there's, there's, a, there's clearly an interest from these countries. So it can be investigated further. The second hmm. step is once you shortly say two, three countries because of their, because of the initial demand that you kind of uh, establish. And then the second step is really going a bit deeper, analyzing those markets before. And at this stage, we are not making any plans. We are not making any website uh, uh, adjustments. We are not doing any translations. We are still at a research stage because by this, we are short, we first shortlisted two, three countries. And then now we're going a bit deeper to see which one is actually best. Because sometimes it can be sensible to expand to all three countries. If, if it is something like European, uh, say Europe, Belgium, France, and Netherlands are so close to each other. So by having a base in one of the countries, you can easily service all three countries. So why not? But if there's logistical problems or or totally different labeling or packaging requirements, then of course this decision may not be may not be correct. And mm. this is the second stage that actually company business can actually establish to expand to all three countries or one of them, and then see see which one is is making sense. And then comes the implementation stage. But the, the biggest mistake that I come across is companies missing these two first, uh, first two steps. So going into a country because somebody says, a distributor, it could be a distributor, 
with all their intentions, they may be easily misled to, to go expand into a country. So if they don't do this initial research, it can it can backfire. But mm. doing a research, you know, desktop research, it can give you a lot of insights about the country that you're you're considering. No, it's uh, I think some uh, great uh, piece of advice and then certainly uh, very interesting. So, well, as we are unfortunately reaching towards the end of the podcast <laughs> and there are always much many more things that would be fun to talk about than we have time to talk about. But I always do always have one question that I love to ask at the end of each episode. So we'll go ahead and jump to that now. So the question I always ask is within your industry, what is the biggest myth and why is it wrong? <laughs> Great question. I love, I love your questions, Devin. Well, I think the biggest myth in my industry is that everyone speaks English. And companies make many uh, investments, but they never get their message translated or adapted for their target audience, believing that everybody speaks English. And that is the biggest barrier that they create for themselves, unfortunately. Mm. No, and I think that that's a, a great takeaway because I think that, you know, there is a, I don't know, I guess I'll say arrogance. I don't know that it's arrogance that people are doing it intentionally, but there is a conception that everybody speaks English today. If I speak English, they should learn my language. And I think that you have to, almost going back to our original discussion is you have to be culturally sensitive to, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of other languages out there. There's a lot of other cultures and you can't expect everybody to conform around you. And just because English is a predominant business language in the world doesn't mean that you should have that expectation. So I think that's a, a great takeaway yeah. and a great myth to dispel. <laughs> well, as, as we wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Ah, thanks for asking, David. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, so they can search for me. Levent Yıldızgören, easily foundable on LinkedIn. Also, I have an offer for your listeners. If they visit levent.team, that is T-E-A-M, they can download my book free of charge or purchase it from Amazon. And um, and if they are UK-based, we can even post it to them, the, the paperback version. So this is totally free. And there are also some other goodies as well that they can have access free of charge. So that's exclusive offer for your for your listeners Devin. awesome well i definitely uh, appreciate the offer i think that's a great uh, great uh, opportunity for people to take advantage of i'm um, definitely encourage them to reach out so with that thank you again for coming on the podcast it's been a fun it's been a pleasure, pleasure. now for all of you that are listeners if you can uh, help us to share this expertise so that more entrepreneurs startups and small business can find out about great areas of expertise that would be or greatly appreciated and to do so just click uh or click share click subscribe leave us a review to make sure that we can share that uh, all this great expertise and with that if you ever need help with patents trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business just go to strategymeeting.com grab some time with with us to chat and we are always here to help well thank you again levin for uh coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than thank the you. last thank you david it was a total pleasure speaking with you